Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Well, getting into historic buildings has been kind of a challenge these days, but we are still talking Milwaukee history on Urban Spelunking, and this week it's Milwaukee music history. This May marks 50 years since Jimi Hendrix played his final show in Milwaukee. Here's audio from that performance at the Milwaukee Auditorium. The hiss of that tape recording, it's really got that that rock and roll found sound feeling. May 1st, 1970, 50 years ago, Bobby. Yeah, so this was his last, this turned out to be his last tour, but nobody knew it at the time. So this show at the Milwaukee Auditorium was his second time performing in Milwaukee. What was the first time like? The first time he came in 1968 with the original Jimi Hendrix experience, and they played at a place downtown called The Scene, which was on 2nd Street in the old Antlers Hotel. It was the it was the ballroom of the Antlers Hotel that had been converted into a nightclub by Frank Balistrieri. Um, and he had his daughter running the place and booking the place, and they had big names there. Miles Davis played there, um, all kinds of people played there, and it was more of a nightclub vibe, even though it was in a ballroom. And Hendrix came with his band, and they were still they were still pretty hot. The second album, Maxis Bold as Love, had just come out a couple months before. They came here, they played two shows a night for two nights. So they played four shows. These shows really affected young people, you know, teenagers, early 20s, people who were into music, and it really just sort of inspired them to go off and make music themselves. They were really sort of life-changing events for a lot of people. Right, because at this time he was really becoming very famous and people were listening to his music all around the world and obviously his life was cut short as well. So by all you know, all accounts, you'd expect his career to keep rising at this point. Well, yeah, and you just think about now, I mean, at least to me, it seems like you think of somebody as iconic as this and somebody who changed the way we think not only about music, but about the instrument that he played. Like, I mean, there was the guitar before Hendrix <laughs> and then there was the guitar after Hendrix, right? Um, and yeah. to think that all of that happened, like everything we think about in his career, about how all he had the earlier period when he was playing sort of three or four minute sort of more traditional pop song structures, like Fire, Foxy Lady, Hey Joe. And then later on, he's moving into more sort of jam, longer performances you know, heavily rooted in the blues, that kind of thing. Like, it seems like a career arc that should have been like 10 or 15 years, but it all happens in the space of four. Yeah, we see that happen with other artists too that you mentioned in the story where, you know, they they had this, this super concentrated creative career and it happens to be a lot of times those artists that left us early. You know, they, they, they had so much happen packed into their lives in a short, short time. And think of the Beatles too, you know, like the Beatles between their first album, 1963, and their last album, 1970, seven years they put out all of those records with all of those songs that even my kids' generation knows. Like the effect that they had in that amount of time. Yeah. Some, ba- some bands nowadays put out two albums in seven years. <laughs> they were putting out like more than that in a year, most years. When music becomes so iconic like that, you know, I, I think you kind of separate the the time period. It just becomes like like Bible or canon at some point. Yeah, you know? right. And, and you have no think sense. That, yeah, you're right. I mean, to think that the whole catalog happened in less than a decade's time. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? We're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to talk more about Jimi Hendrix's final performance in Milwaukee 50 years ago at the Milwaukee Auditorium. 
nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out your donor benefits and the thank you gifts to show off your 88.9 pride. And welcome back to Urban Spelunking. We're talking about an iconic Milwaukee performance 50 years ago at the Milwaukee Auditorium with Jimi Hendrix. The show at the Milwaukee Auditorium was, um, I think, probably the coolest part about the whole story, Bobby, is you were able to get all these firsthand accounts of people who were there. And then you were able to find recordings and pictures, and you really pieced together this narrative of Jimi Hendrix performing in his prime here in Milwaukee 50 years ago. Um, I loved all the newspaper clippings, the reviews of the concerts that you found, and the set list even. You can find the exact set list from his Milwaukee show 50 years ago. That's what I love about this stuff. I feel like for years I've heard about all these sort of legendary shows in Milwaukee and the, the details have been sort of vague on them. Like, oh yeah, I think Hendrix came. Oh, I think John Coltrane came. Oh, I think, you know, whatever. Um, it all just seems shrouded in like the sort of mystery. And at some point I think I thought, you know, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, you can access old newspapers is all this, this information is out there if you just go looking for it, you know, like it, it, it felt sort of like the dark ages trying to put these shows into kind of, into the reality of what they were. But um, it turns out really not to be that hard if you just start digging. And it's interesting how you could put, like, especially this show, how you can take this show, this like one day moment in his life and sort of put it into the arc of the rest of his life. You know, he had just been coming off, you know, he had taken a break from the Jimi Hendrix experience and put together this other group called the band of gypsies. And just before the show here, the band of gypsies record came out, but by then he was already sort of done with that. And he, uh, put together a new version of the experience. And this was the third date in the tour here. Um, and it would be a tour that was, was a big deal because not only was it his last tour ever, um, it also had the later on uh, the Isle of Wight performance, which was sort of a big moment in his career. Um, and so it's interesting that, you know, Milwaukee is, there was this show, but it's part of this whole bigger experience. And it's interesting the way it fits in. We were, you know, people in Milwaukee had a chance to see him just like people all over the world did that year. Yeah, I mean, we were number three on, on the tour. And I think we see that sometimes where these artists are maybe kind of working out a new show or, you know, they hit Milwaukee on the way to other venues around uh, the country. You know, like Dave Chappelle, for example, in comedy, when he comes here, a lot of times he's working out some new material in Milwaukee before he hits the world with it. And I think that's an advantage we have as kind of a medium to smaller, large city as we get to see these these artists that are trying some new things out. And that seemed to be the case here in Milwaukee. And for Jimi Hendrix, in, in his case, the show was kind of reviewed. Um, some loved it, some hated it. You got some mixed reviews from the, uh, the media at the time, which not only tells you about kind of Milwaukee and its place in the touring music world, but also um, about the Milwaukee media at the time, because maybe perhaps some of the reviewers weren't the most familiar with with rock and roll music. Yeah, I I wasn't surprised that the Sentinel and the Journal reviews were negative because the the big paper and this is not unique to Milwaukee uh, or to those papers, but the big newspapers at the time really often didn't have somebody familiar with rock and roll, interested in rock and roll. They, these are people who went into the show with a preconceived notion of what they were going to see, and everything basically just kind of played into that. You know, one of the reviewer in mm -hmm. the, in the Sentinel in this case 
uh, even questioned whether or not you could really call this music. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, you know, that was the, and then the one in the journal was uh, argued it was bad because Hendrix was playing white music and playing black music and couldn't decide which one he wanted to do. <laughs> As if there was some sort of rule that said you could only do one. You know. Right. Like imagine reading that review today, which, you know, obviously a, a lot has changed since then. But you think back about, you know, we have these these icons, these musical icons that, you know, could you can't imagine getting a bad review or, you know, doing any wrong. But here in Milwaukee, the the viewpoint was a little bit different because of the, the viewpoint of the, the writers that reviewed the concert. Part of what made Hendrix so interesting and engaging and uh and enduring, I think, is the fact that he did bridge quote-unquote white music and quote-unquote black music um, in a way that sort of appealed to everybody, you know? And and here he was being taken to task for doing what it was that he actually did best. <laughs> so it's, it's sort of ironic to read those things. But interestingly, the counterculture uh, magazine here, Kaleidoscope, also gave it a bad review. Um, also didn't like the show. The only positive review it got was in an African-American newspaper called The Star, The Milwaukee Star. Um, Which almost seems to be like the voice of reason here. I feel yeah. like all the other all the other reviewers kind of called it out and the argument was kind of flimsy. But I thought it was funny, though, that, the, that they actually even called out the journal reporter for what I had, what I just pointed out, you know, like for saying right, yeah. like that well, it's absurd to say that you have to pick one or the other and you can't do both and, you know. Um, so even at the time there were people who, and again, so this is a person who knew what he was going to see and understood what it was he was witnessing and could write about it with that kind of knowledge. Whereas the, the people from the bigger newspapers didn't really have, they were not familiar with him. They did, you know, the, the Sentinel, uh, the Sentinel reviewer referred to him as Jim Jim Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember Jim Hendrix, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they just didn't even have the, like, the most basic foundational kind of knowledge of what they were looking at to be able to, to review it in any kind of coherent or fair way. And meanwhile, this review from the Milwaukee Star, which, as you mentioned, is, was kind of the black newspaper at the time. Yeah. The reviewer, is this the guy, Dave no- Novick? Yeah, yep. Yeah, he says, he says, quote, labels are a drag. It's always easier to categorize people, objects, lifestyles, and types of music than it is to try to understand them. Jimi Hendrix is a case in point. Exactly. I just think that's so brilliantly said. And if you read that today, that sounds like, you know, the voice of reason here. And what I love about it is it's a review of the show, but it's also a review of the review of the show. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like he's, he's referring up. to the show, but he's also referring to the journal review of the show, which I think is interesting. But in fairness, it does seem like there were some there was some consensus in some of the negative aspects of the show. Perhaps some saying that Jimi Hendrix seemed to kind of phone it in that night, or the sound was was too loud, or the crowd was, um, I guess, like not very pleased with the show at the end by some reports. Well, I think some people thought he was he was sick. There were some reports that he was not feeling well that day, and I don't know if that that was just because of um, the performance. If they thought that he seemed to not, he seemed to look like he wasn't feeling well, or, you know, I don't know that people really knew that for sure. I think people were kind of reading that into it. Um, because supposedly after the show, he did go back to the scene nightclub where he had played and hung out there for a while and then went back to the hotel, but immediately left to go to a party. So he couldn't have been feeling all that bad. I'm guessing. 
<laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> if that's Jimi Hendrix on a day he's feeling bad, what is he, you know, what's he like on a day he's feeling good? <laughs> but so cool that you got to track down these, these firsthand accounts of the show and, and just all these pictures to see an artist like Jimi Hendrix in, in a Milwaukee location that you can still recognize. I mean, it definitely still looks like the present day Miller High Life Theater. And then, you know, seeing the ticket prices here of, of $4 and $4 and 50 cents. And the yeah. big VIP ticket here for five fifty. I know, and some people <laughs> complained about how expensive it was. <laughs> I bet, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, fifty years ago, Jimi Hendrix plays his final show in Milwaukee, and there are, there's just really some fantastic video and photos up at RadioMilwaukee.org in Bobby's complete story. We've got it linked up right there under the stories section. Podcasts here on eighty-eight nine are produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from your membership and from onmilwaukee.com. You can subscribe to this podcast and all of 889's podcasts at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, or anywhere else that you find your podcasts. And while you're there, if you can rate and review the podcast, that helps us out a ton. It's on Milwaukee's Bobby Tenzillo. Great work on this and talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Waiting for that train